switch to Gray's papaya. Those things are good. Those things are so good. But uh, yeah, not the man. I, I those, and they've gone up. By the way, the recession special. Yeah, I remember when those were a dollar. That's how much those should cost, in my opinion. It would be nice. There, uh, there, there. It was four ninety five for the longest time for two dogs. And the uh, what do you call it? Papaya juice. Yeah. Yep. And I live now near one of those. They're really good. Five ninety five. That's just well, the economy is improving. That's so. what I said. I guess, <laughs> I guess the the economy is improving. All right. <clears throat> well, maybe we should do a show. All right. From the smallest room in New York City comes a show that gives you a reason to live. A D train masturbator from Queens busted in Brooklyn for masturbating on the D. In what's really an inspiring story, a senior citizen can-do spunk, 62-year-old Confessor Pagan was arrested for the unwanted touching of himself in a subway station in Coney Island. You've winced at the self-brutalizing antics of the human blockhead, thrilled and stared slack-jawed with wonder at the sword-swallowing, fire-eating human pincushion. Behold and be disgusted, the senior citizen D-Train Dick Diddler will be astonished by the vulgar yet eerily graceful movements of his still nimble fingers. Carnival, sideshow, midway, retro, priced at just $275. That's 22 bits. Please, only those brave of heart and strong of constitution enter the car from dare. I defy you to look away from his mesmerizing gaze. Well, maybe it's not sideshow worthy, but... Uh, Confessor was observed performing an act which is identified in the DSM-5 as jerking it at the Bay Parkway station. Caught red-handed in a brazen act of public self-fondling. Perhaps in misguided tribute to the world-famous phallic shape of the island where Nathan's peddled the first hot dogs. Shamefully displaying his own meat stick, bursting forth and hotly engorged in its own Natural casing. Joining me now from Newsweek, uh, Polly Mosens. Uh, I love hot dogs. Yeah. I think the last time I was down in Coney Island, the breeze would blow by about every 45 seconds to a minute and a half, filled with this like hot fecal uh, uh, essence that was just inescapable. And, I, and, and people talk about Coney Island being a disgusting place, but that's the first time I had to just walk away. Yeah, it's pretty awful, and I'm so I'm Ukrainian, so the Russians are established on the other side of Coney Island, Brighton Beach. Yes, yes. Which we have our own meat stick products that you can go purchase <laughs> right down the boardwalk. So whenever yeah. I go to Brighton Beach, I will walk over to Coney Island just to kind of see the train wreck, and then I will quickly go back yeah, so to my own little Eastern European enclave. <laughs> I love Brighton Beach. It's very nice. You feel at home there? Kind of. The Russians don't really care for us Ukrainians, but I just don't tell them that I'm a Ukrainian so I can eat their delicious food. Yeah, such as? Oh, pierogies are probably the number one. They also do this like deep fried, it's like a giant deep fried wonton, but Russian. But trust me, it's delicious. That description gives it no credit. <laughs> it doesn't really, it, it, it sends my imagination reeling. <laughs> A 73-year-old Bronx woman was flashed by her accessory, dri accessory driver. <laughs> That's what it is. It's accessory driver. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah people who drive them around. Yeah, yeah. It's like the MTA, but if you are, can't get around yourself, they come get you. Yeah, it's probably some kind of free service offered by this uh, government of ours. 26-year-old Christopher Medina dropped off the hag around 10.45 a.m. and asked if he could use her bathroom. After she let him in, she heard him start moaning. He went to see if he was all right. He was standing in her hallway with his pants down and his penis in his hands. Well, there's your answer. I guess he's all right. <laughs> the old lady screamed and ran away. But, but what, did, what did you think he meant when he said, use the bathroom? You know, uh, he was charged with uh, public lewdness. I, I guess if you're old, the lesson is don't let anybody into your house ever. Yeah, no, I think that's, and I'm kind of surprised because if you're 73 and you've lived those 73 years in the Bronx, you've seen some stuff. Mm -hmm. That might be like the least, I mean, I don't know, that's the least of your worries at that point. Yeah, well, maybe, she, oh yeah, like she should have just been like, just lock the door when you're done. <laughs> well, I think uh, you, you, you become afraid. I used to wonder like if why people seem to be afraid of masturbators. Uh, I mean, obviously it's not something you necessarily want to look at, but I guess it's a precursor to a rape sometimes. You know, people will 
they have to like masturbate themselves into <laughs> the mood to or if if you masturbate long enough eventually you're like okay that's it the next person who walks onto this fucking car is going to get some dick I mean, I right. think that's one theory. I think another is just there's bodily fluid involved, and it's kind of the same thing as when you see someone throw up. Like you just don't want to get them near you in any capacity. It's Jesus like the worst Christ, version Polly, of you're that. like a born romantic or something. Ejaculating, <laughs> 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 like throwing up. I guess it's true. You do want to stay away from it. Yeah, it's even like if you see a very slobbery baby, you're just like, I don't need that <laughs> near me yeah. in public transit. Yeah. I don't. Know, I think it's the bodily fluids. Slobbering thing baby, me. ejaculating <laughs> penis, same thing. Get it away from me. Uh, two charlatans swindled a dumb old lady out of a large sum of money with a pigeon drop scam that's older than Grandma's paisley shawl. Jamaica, Queens, the earliest residents of uh, Jamaica out there, they created a stream that flowed from a pond about 10 miles east of where I'm sitting in Astoria right now through a creek and into the bay. Now, do you know who those earliest residents were? I do not. They were beavers. Huh. Prior to human settlement, the first residents of Jamaica, Queens, beavers. And uh, they were they were there working on it. You know, they're builders. They are. They, no, they're pretty decent. They started the building here in New York City. Uh, uh, some aboriginals then of the Lenape tribe came along and said, hey, this area is teeming with beaver. They called uh, the Algonquin word there is a, a Yamako. But they, anyway, they settled near the southern end. The word got around about the beaver, and for hundreds of years before the colonial era, uh, the uh, Yamako tribe traded skins and furs for wampum. Do you know what wampum is? Wampum? That's a shell. Is that some kind of shell? You got it exactly yeah, right. I've been it's to a Long shell. Island. That seems like a shell. <laughs> <laughs> and they used it for currency. And then it became just a general word. Uh, and that's also where we get the words like clams and shit like that. You know, people using shells. Now, gradually, a trail was cut that was used by tribes as far away as the Great Lakes and elsewhere in the Midwest. Finally, around 1650, Dutch colonists showed up. And they were like, yeah, we heard there was beaver. So then in 1655, the Dutch paid the, the uh, Yamikos two guns, a coat, and some powder and lead for the land between the beaver trail and the beaver pond. Charter was granted to 15 English families by the Dutch West India Company, who started the settlement, and the Dutch named it Rusdorp. That's awful. Isn't it, though? Yeah, it doesn't sound right. <laughs> you can see how that didn't catch on. Rusdorp. Rusdorp. Yeah. Rest town is what that means for the, you know, for the Dutch. The English renamed it immediately when they took over in 1664. Now, the Y sound in English is spelled with a J in Dutch. And uh, when pronounced orally, uh, Yamako became Jamaica. So the ancient trail used for beaver trade that I referenced, this, as far as the Great Lakes, these tribes coming in with, with their wampum. They only come in one beaver pelts. They got wampum. <laughs> they, they became that became Jamaica Avenue, and the beaver pond was filled in in 1906. Now, 29 years later, a baby girl was born. After the beaver pond is filled in, 80 years after that, she's standing outside 8035 Jamaica Avenue when she's approached by a woman who got out of a Jeep Cherokee. The stranger said she had a winning lottery ticket worth $167,000 in wampum. But she couldn't cash it because she's an illegal immigrant. Old lady, whom I've never met, can you help? <laughs> I'll gladly give you a cut of the winnings. Around this time, a second flimflammer shows up, and he tells Granny if she wants in on this sweet deal, she's going to have to pony up some collateral, you know, because you're holding the ticket at this point, what? at least $7,000. But, you know, never mind the fact that if, like, let's say, if this was true, you've got a winning lottery ticket, $167,000. Like, give me $7,000 collateral. You'd just be like, okay. And you buy the fucking ticket for $7,000 right. and, and, and you still come out. I mean, I think it kind of lost me when she actually talked to these people. Yeah. What kind of 80-year-old <laughs> person is going to just talk to, what kind of any New Yorker is talking to strangers about money? I don't know. I barely talk to strangers about directions. Yeah. I barely want to watch a stranger masturbate in the hallway. <laughs> the two uh, people. They, now, here's what she does. N not only does she give them the seven grand, she goes to the bank, gets a cashier's check for $90,000. They cash it. Jesus Christ. They drive her home, at least. 
they say, just go inside, bring us a utility bill to prove to prove that this is your home and everything. And she goes in to get the bill. She comes out. Guess what? They're gone in their history. Polly, uh, do you have uh, elderly uh, relatives? I do. I have a grandmother, but she is smarter than me and um, most of us, really. So I think that that would not really have been her jam. Is she still in uh, Ukraine? No, she's actually in Kentucky. Kentucky? Which, yeah. Yeah, that, that was an interesting move. So you're part Ukrainian, part... Kentuckian. Kentuckian? Yeah. Yeah, I lived there for about 10 years. I love Kentucky. It's, it's the only it's state, state. That, yeah, that ends with uh, Tucky. Yeah. Yeah, and and what part of Kentucky? Lexington, which yeah. is the nicest part, arguably. Well, I, I'd say that most people would agree. That's uh, the equestrian uh, area. That's yeah. where they have all the money and the we Keeneland got a college. track. We have basketball and uh, and whiskey. Yeah. We also burn a lot of couches. That's a big college activity there. Couch burning. Yeah. No, Kentucky loves burning couches. Big in Kentucky. Yeah, I think th- that isn't that the name of the team of the <laughs> the couch burners. Uh, it might as well be. It's a really big deal. Why Why are you guys burning couches? I have no good answer. It's just something drunk college kids do both to celebrate and to mourn. Well, I'll tell you something. I'll put I'll put couch burning above mattress carrying any day. I hope that this lady gets her goddamn money back. Yeah, I do too. That's really kind of amazing to me that anyone still falls for that stuff. They even send flyers. The mayor's office sends those flyers of like, don't be. I could see if she gets her money back, though. They're like hardcore tracing those two people. They have pictures. They've got the description. They probably didn't make it far. Yeah. I don't know. I have I have hopes for this little old lady. Yeah. I think she's going to get her money back. Well, me too, Polly. Let's hope so. Especially since you have an old lady name. Now that yeah, I, think about it. I do. <laughs> How I have the hell a, did that happen? Um, I my great grandmother, Polly. So I'm a Polly. Named yeah. yeah, Polly. Where would we tweet to you? I'm just at Polly. That's why I get all that. Oh poly Christ! Hate. Anybody hating a Polly, you're gonna get it. Yeah, really, <laughs> all of them. I mean, first name Twitter is good sometimes, but then sometimes it's just a dark place. You you bought an apartment and everybody freaked out about it. Yeah, it's interesting. That was one of the first things I ever wrote about. But now that I'm sort of so far on the other side of it, I'm actually kind of thankful for the reaction because anytime anyone is mad at me on the internet, I'm like, ah, this is some JV level stuff. Yeah, they came at you hard. Yeah, I mean, there's sort of a silver lining to that. Like, I, you know, it's sort of anything can make people really angry on the Internet. And Mm. once you learn to deal with that anger, you're not really afraid of writing anything anymore. Yeah. Were you surprised by the reaction Now your story was one where you talked about um, buying an apartment in Manhattan? You put down a $50,000 down payment on this apartment. It's in the West Village. You uh, were paying twenty one hundred dollars in, uh, in in rent prior to. This is over in Alphabet City. These people acted as if you like dropped a gold anvil on their foot or something. Yeah, I mean, I think I understand the reaction in retrospect. When I was writing it, I didn't, but it was also one of the first things I'd ever written. And I was, you know, obviously very young. It was a couple years ago, but I guess <laughs> I would say I do understand the reaction because I think it's really easy to be angry at the internet, and I think it's. You know, in that particular story, it should have. There's a lot of stuff I should have worded better. I mean, I think I used the word nest egg for my down payment, and I should have probably explained that I've had a job since mm-hmm. I was 14, and um, I didn't, you know, go on spring break in college, and I had a college scholarship, yeah. thank God. And um, I think, I, like in retrospect, I kind of get their anger because I should have done a better job explaining it to get my point across. Do I think it kind of justified the death threats? Yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> the way she she put it was that uh, during the French Revolution, this is what people cut off heads for. And then I think some editor must have gone, okay, you need to add, that's not a good idea in this case. <laughs> that doesn't work here. Yeah, I wish these people could come to my 400-square-foot apartment and see that me and Marie Antoinette really lived the exact same way. It's a luxurious you know, just French castle style, 400 square feet. Can't you just acknowledge your privilege? Yeah. Can't you just, can't you just I mean, tell I, us that your this. life, everything has been handed to you on a silver platter. I think you've never worked <laughs> for anything. Could just admit it. You've never had to do anything. The you? one comment in that whole thing that actually genuinely did bother me was someone said that, um, that my dad gave me all my money and that I'd never worked and I don't, um, have a dad. So that, that was really the only thing that I would say like genuinely hurt my feelings. You know, that one was, that one was genuinely painful. Do you remember where that came from? What the source was? 
I, was, I don't. I don't remember what it was. I just remember being like, wow, this person is really just hitting home in like a way they don't recognize that they're hitting home. And isn't it funny how the people who profess to be the most feminist or sometimes the most anti-woman, you know, in, the, in, in assuming that it, it must be your dad where you got the money from. It must be this uh, patriarchal symbol who has given you everything. It couldn't be that you as a young woman earned it yourself or that it came from a female source. Yeah, my mom absolutely helped me out. And I don't, you know, I don't like deny that. I don't think I deny that in the story either. I mean, I'm really lucky that my mom helped me. But at the end of the day, like I was writing a story about making a good investment and trying to encourage other people my age to, if they can, to do that themselves and to try Mm. to save up. And I don't think that deserved that reaction but i will also say i agree i should have been better written i even reading it now i'm just like cringing because it should have been it should have been better explained it should have been better written well I that continues for your whole life you know what that's I mean? true i don't like anything i wrote before about three weeks ago <laughs> and most of that is a little iffy so uh you settle for a pebble not a stone like a rebel the boogie down a woman has been charged with felony assault a brooklyn artisan mauled within an inch of his life 55-year-old Cynthia Oliver accused of using her dogs as weapons to settle a street argument. And ain't that a pity? You bet it is. Oliver's two vicious pits nearly killed Francesco Bove as he showed up at Our Lady of Mount Carmel to do some restoration on the church. The dog owner told police that she sicked the dogs on Bove after an argument, but Bove says he never exchanged words with the woman. In fact, when Oliver let the dogs go, Bove thought they were running to say hello and to play. That seems pretty naive to me, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, no one is right in this story. I've been waiting to talk about this one all day. I love Pitbull crime stories. Oh, yeah, there are many. Yeah, there are lots of them, and everyone always treats the pit bull like it's a suspect. I'm like, that's a dog. That that lady is teaching these dogs to attack and then goes attack. The dog doesn't know any better. The dog fully knows what he's doing. The dog, well, the, the dog doesn't know anything else. Fully cognizant of its bloodthirsty uh, 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 actions. You know, I mean, these dogs were. Uh, I mean, now they are the product of of the woman who. Right, they're the product of a bad fed human. them raw meat train them to you know i i suppose uh fight and attack and stuff like that when this guy's blood was on the sidewalk these dogs were licking it up ravenously yeah. and then looking for him for several minutes uh, after they were finally uh, separated they were they were really hot on the trail of eating this guy they took his ear off he was hospitalized yeah. so i think that the problem is not that the that you know in theory the dogs are so cognizant of what's going on and not that the that the the training doesn't have anything to do with it. Uh, you you can train a dachshund to attack or whatever, yeah. and, and they snap, but they can't do what these dogs can do, and they don't have the same instinct to to kill that the that these dogs have. If I were to indict the breed, it would just be that uh, it's like having a bazooka in your pocket. You know what I mean? It's just uh, occasionally you're going to shoot your cock off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would say I blame the woman. I think the woman should be facing much stronger charges because I would even give her an animal to animal cruelty charge because that's if she's only feeding them raw meat and she's spending her spare time teaching them to attack, those dogs aren't, and they're chained up all the time, those dogs aren't having a great life. Mm. They have no chance to be anything except for killers. What does she think the dog is going to be but going after blood? That entire story was just like, oh, that woman needs to be punished a lot more harshly than she is being punished. This guy himself owns a it's kind of a matter of the human as much as it is the dog. I mean, I've seen a chow attack someone, and those things look like a giant Pomeranian. Oh, yeah, chows are vicious. Yeah, I mean, I think it's as much the human as it is the is dog. Is there an uglier dog than a chow? Oh, that's a good question. A chow just has an ugly face. But they're so fluffy, you don't really know what it looks like. It's just like a ball of fur coming towards you, you perhaps viciously, you never know. Yeah, and then you look a little more closely, and you're like, ugh, <laughs> Jesus. Well, the, f- the priest uh, was uh, unable to get back to this guy because the guy was meeting the priest and and was going to do some work on the church took several minutes before they could separate them did you watch the video i did i saw the i think the gothamist someone yeah there was a video uh, and and these uh, and i'll put that up on the new york city crime report uh, facebook page these dogs who were white 
I don't think this was racially motivated, but they were viciously uh, biting, dragging the victim around the street. The guy was so weak that the priest gave him last rites. Yeah, that was kind of crazy and biblical, that particular moment. The priest was there. It was all very dark. I'm very curious about this woman's motive. Like, if they didn't actually ever speak, did she have some kind of greater issue with his work or, like, with the fact that he was going to meet a priest? I'm very curious why she did this. She's like Brooklyn artisan. Maybe she's anti-tiling. <laughs> don't, don't be... Sp- don't... <laughs> don't be sprucing <laughs> she hates marble she's jailed in lieu of $35,000 bail her dogs are known around the neighborhood it said in the story she has difficulty controlling them feeds them raw meat now if you have difficulty controlling the dogs yeah I think that's kind of the bigger thing here I think also I'm, I am curious why she had two dogs close together all the time wouldn't you be worried about them attacking you if that's how you're keeping them people who own dogs are delusional in my opinion people who own dogs don't get that like other people don't necessarily like this shit so like the, oh no he's just saying hello yeah he's about to bite my dick and balls <laughs> off you know what i mean like I, i've had I've people do that the dog is like uh, they say well don't touch him don't take your hands out uh, do you have a dog? I do not have a dog. I in again in my spacious French castle that I live in, I could not fit a dog. Four hundred and eighteen square feet of pure luxury. Yes, that's a maybe I could fit like a Pomeranian or like maybe I don't know something else a like po- a wiener a dog. Pomeranian would be a really small. poor choice because they they yap and and you got yeah. it's going to be bouncing around. Off, I assume it's hardwood floors. It is. Do you have to walk up to it? Um, yeah, there's four floor. I mean, you could take the elevator, but it doesn't work out. Oh, the you time. do have an elevator. Okay, theoretically, I used to live on a fifth floor walk up down in Chelsea, yeah. sixty eight stairs or so. Yeah, well, not that I counted. When I lived on <laughs> Avenue B, I think I had exactly fifty six steps, fifty six or fifty four. But I remember mm. coming home late at night. I was always just like, ugh. Is $2,100 to walk up five flights. Yep. And live on Avenue B. Oh, it was a good apartment, though. I almost kind of miss it. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, but larger than the current. Uh, no. You know what? I liked my neighbors. Uh, we had a backyard, and there was a lot of stuff going on in Avenue B. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, like, uh, like, like you mean like uh, ethnic type shit? You mean like people cooking strange exotic foods <laughs> and stuff? It was kind of just everything. There was like a, of some days you just see a band come out of I don't know where and play. Then there were lots of these community gardens. One of them had chickens in it. That was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of cheap tacos on my block. And then, and you go there to eat a taco and like Bono's there. You know? Oh, and you're like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> you turn around. And you're like, hey, that's the inside the actor studio fucker guy or whatever. I'm not going to talk to him. <laughs> you ever you ever talk to any celebrities that you run into? No, I'm kind of scared of all celebrities. The only person I ever ran into that I actually really wanted to talk to is Louis C.K. And when I say ran into, I mean like I physically ran into him with my face. But but it was intentional. You were running at top speed the moment you saw him <laughs> face first. <laughs> It was, yeah, it was really, it was extremely embarrassing. It was like my first week living in New York. Um, I wish I had talked to him, but no, usually. That shit always happens the first week you live in New York. The first week I lived in New York, I had my apartment. I was looking out my window and across the street, a completely nude woman, I could see through her window. And I was like, wow. You know, and then like I I came to the window at that time of day, every day for the next six months. (laughs) And never again. Never again. Yeah, I thought this is going to happen every day, and then and then eventually, just before I moved, I think I, I saw it again. But it was like too late. I was jaded by that. Yeah, point. the guy lives across from me. He has a giant TV, and whenever there's two games on that I want to watch, I just stand between my TV and where I can see his TV, and that's all I get. I don't get any nudity. <laughs> just that well, guy's giant. Sounds like that's TV. really what you're looking for. <laughs> I think if you wanted the nudity, it would be there. You know, <laughs> just take the D train to Coney Island. You know, there and you, know. you can and you can catch that or down to the World Trade Center, near where you were. Oh, yeah. Tourist attraction down there. Meaningful uh, national monument, I suppose. Now, were you here uh, back in, in 2001? I was not. I was living in Kentucky at back that in, time. Back in Lexington. Yeah. Uh, oh, of course, because you're 25. Yeah, 24. 24. 24. Yeah. I graduated college young, so I think that kind of threw me for the whole loop. I got a job You know young. why you graduated college young? Because you're white. That's what it was. And, <laughs> and so rich. Now, uh, it's also a top target down there for those who wish to blow up American shit. <laughs> in simpler times, we called them by a simpler name, evildoers, back in in 2002. <laughs> well, a Queens man has tried to join ISIS. A 22-year-old Queens man has been arrested for attempting to provide material support to the Islamic State of Iraq. Brooklyn federal authorities say Ali Salah repeatedly tried to fly to the Middle East and join ISIS. And this is from the criminal complaint. 
United States of America against Ali Saleh. He became interested in ISIL because they were having the most success against the regime of Bashar al-Assad, currently governing Syria, and because they would eventually establish a caliphate. He previously mentally swore bayat, which is an oath of uh, allegiance to ISIL. He felt compelled to make hajir, the Arabic term for migration to Syria. Approximately one year ago, 2014, he booked air travel from New York to Istanbul, Turkey, via Ukraine. Mm-hmm. That's our bad. With the intention of traveling by land. It's okay. From Turkey to Syria to fight for ISIL. And he he ultimately did not get to travel at that time because his parents took away his passport. <laughs> no need to argue. Parents just don't understand. Uh, you know, prior to his arrest, they had undertaken to move him in with his aunt and uncle in Bel Air. <laughs> <You know. laughs> yeah, that took me a second. <laughs> Uh, you. I read your your coverage of yeah, this. I write about this kind of stuff a lot. This is a, a big part of my crime beat. The uh, teenagers, uh, young people, young who, people who and ISIS turning to ISIS. To what do you attribute that? I mean, I think a lot of it is the digital aspect. They make these friends online, and these friends are you know they're recruiters for the organization. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Excuse me, and I think that's a really big part of it. They meet these people. These people convince them it's such a great life. There's all these. I mean, I kind of call them jihadi memes that are going around where it like it's this beautiful sunset and over a desert and there's this man and a woman and she's completely covered and he has this big gun and they're like walking off into the sunset together to be in love and, you know, fight the infidels together. Jesus, where do I sign? Sorry, that sounds awesome. <laughs> and people are convinced that, you know, that's really what it's like there. And then they try to go. I think a big part of it, too, is that Muslim youth in America are not treated particularly mm-hmm. well. And unless they live in a neighborhood where they have friends friends that are, you know, in their culture and understand them, yeah. it can be really, really difficult for them to assimilate. And then they turn to the darkest thing that they think understands them. You know, it's true. Sometimes if you bring something that looks like a bomb to school, you have to go meet the president. <laughs> That's uh, on a different planet. We're in New York City. Uh, now, the the this is how many of these this year? There's been several, right? I think we're up to eight. If, uh, if my count is right. If, wow. Well, if we count Jersey City, there were three women from Jersey City that got arrested. Now, is it different for the men and the women? I mean, th- once they get there, it's really different. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, what happens once they get well, there? Well, the women aren't allowed to fight. Uh, there's this really interesting diary I found on Tumblr of one of the women that actually managed to get there, and then she put up all of the instructions that she thought fit to um to you know share with the internet. And I was reading through it. And she said the biggest thing is that you think you're going to be able to fight when you get there, but Mm. you're not. And you also don't really get to live with your husband. It's not like you're assigned immediately. You basically live in like the world's darkest sorority house for a couple months. It's just all women and you can't leave. And um, to go anywhere, even grocery shopping, you have to have a male Mm. escort to have you do that. And then you're married off to a complete stranger. And um, if you do want to actually help Mm. the cause in any way, maybe you get to be a nurse, maybe. But you actually live like a very isolated, Mm. sad experience. You're not really part of the caliphate because they don't respect women. Obviously, there's no women's rights in ISIS. So they're not even part of the movement that they moved there to be part of. Did you hear that, ladies? No women's rights in ISIS. Do you find that, in general, feminists are reluctant to come down on on Islam? It could be argued that that there is uh, some degree of of anti-woman sentiment uh, inherent in the religion itself, but you never hear that. Well, I actually, there was a really interesting, uh, I believe this might have been somewhere in Europe, maybe in Germany, there was a Muslim women's conference that was there, and Mm. this group that was very free the nipple, you know, they're topless enthusiasts, they actually crashed the event. They're these like very intense feminists that think women should, you know, be topless as much as possible. That's kind of their movement, which, hey, if you want to do that, and you want to show your nipples more power to you go for it but they crashed this event because they made the argument that the muslim women's conference could not possibly be a feminist Mm -hmm. thing because these women could not be making any of the decisions on their own and the women that were at the conference were saying you know well no it's very much my decision to be here to attend this and just because my version of being a woman and being empowered is not freeing my nipples doesn't mean that it's not my version of it so i think that there is this kind of battle was was she stoned to death for saying that <laughs> she I mean, was for not. speaking to an infidel <laughs> so i think that yeah there is this fight that you bring up like amongst feminists of sort of how should muslim women be treated but i think for the most part 
I mean, I have friends that wear the hijab and I think they're totally doing it because they want to do it. Um, mm-hmm. I would never be like, oh, the patriarchy is forcing this upon you. It's their call. I think that, you know, some some people that are feminist, I would certainly call myself a feminist, might be better to leave well enough alone because it's something they don't understand and they weren't brought up in it. And if you're going to scream, it's my way or the highway, that's not really being a good feminist and a good empowered woman. That's just forcing a different view that isn't male, but is still harsh on another woman mm, yeah i suppose so but couldn't it also be argued that really the face and the nipple you know just two different like degrees of nakedness <laughs> i mean sometimes you see a hijab and man it's a sexy hijab you know, that's something you don't hear too too often i guess i've so, not right? heard that too check often. out that sexy hijab <laughs> though there was one of my coworkers very revealing her. uh mia khalifa i think she's a porn star that did a porn movie wearing a hijab and that like caused the internet to just lose its mind briefly isn't that remarkable yeah but it, apparently she made a lot of money off of it and one never done it before uh Mm. So she did that. It seems as if um, they mistreat women in Muslim countries quite a bit. And worldwide, uh, they're the, the worst offenders in terms of, of female rights. There's still a lot of, right. uh, you know, what do you call it? Like uh, they cut the clit off. It's a, the mutilation, <laughs> you know, general mutilation. Yeah, I mean, stuff. Saudi Arabia is one of the worst. I mean, women still can't drive. There's a very prominent female journalist arrested for driving recently. Mm-hmm. Um, voting is barely a thing there. They're just now getting around to that. So they're about 100 years behind. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, absolutely. I think there's a lot of issues with that. But I think part of it has to come from within. You, you know, the West and Western women can't, you know, force change upon it. I think at some point it's going to come from inside the female Muslim community that they're going to spark change and have it properly, you know, happen. I think that's really sort of something that's of a yeah, waiting But game. I mean, in terms of cultural change, when it seems as if there's so many microaggressions uh, by by men, which are, I mean, they, they have to be understood as accidental, habitual at worst. Uh, and and uh, then our government, you know, involved with Saudi Arabia uh, on all sorts of levels. You know, we have a close relationship as one of their many wives. <laughs> How come there's not more of a protest coming from, hey, like, wait, why are you, you know, do it? Why, we are angry with the government for trade. Instead of saying, like, you touched my tit with your elbow. I mean, I think when you bring up Saudi Arabia specifically, there are a lot of Western women, myself included, that are quite frustrated with the way the American government treats them. I mean, it's really like kid gloves because of oil, quite clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think. But, Part of it, which is which is fine, but I don't I just don't hear anything coming from the feminist on that. I've never heard, hey, Islam mistreats women. What the fuck? And, and particularly in Saudi Arabia, why are we doing? I I just I understand that the government is going to go. Well, we got to do what we got to do. Tough shit. But like, um, I just don't even hear a whisper I about think that. It's not. I can't. I for my opinion, I can't speak for the entire feminist movement. Certainly not um, the loudest feminists out there. But I think part of it is that you can't really make the arguments. Just Islam fundamentally mistreats women. I think you have to kind of make it a bigger political argument, like factions of the religion, or you know, particular really conservative imams within the religion do this, or you know, some men that went to a particularly conservative version of Islam do it. I can't. I don't think you can just say the whole religion because there are certainly a lot of factions of it particularly in the united states where women aren't mistreated so i think it's sure but i hear i hear no version of any of that though no version of like even if you don't condemn the you know the religion as a whole or you know whatever well i think next time all us ladies get together in a giant room i will say i'm putting it on you polly (laughs) trust me hey i I think anybody who's anybody who's had their ass handed to him and jezebel is is on my team as far as i'm concerned but i think it, it is a larger discussion to be had i've certainly you know heard some parts of it being discussed in the women's community but i do think it's an ongoing conversation because you don't want to fall into this trap of like blaming the religion as a whole it's a really delicate conversation to have and it should be had with muslim women on your side because that's the other thing that's really hard is a lot of these conversations start when someone from inside actually comes out and says hey we need help with this we need the public's recognition and when you are quite literally not allowed to leave the house with a male escort it's really hard to make that first step so i think that's part of it Uh, the feminist movement is most angry at white men and really almost entirely at white men and i I feel as if the word white gets thrown in a lot amongst you know complaints about even in you with your story i saw one particular writer she said you know she's uh, privileged and most likely white 
why is that? Why do you think that 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 the like feminists seem to be so much more angry uh, with white men uh, rather than any any other race? Well, I mean, I'm a feminist, and I would disagree that I'm angriest at white men. I'm not. I wouldn't really say I'm like aggressively angry at at any person in no, particular. You, I, but would, <laughs> I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have guessed that you strongly identify as uh, as a feminist. Although, well, the uh, basic I mean, definition the, of feminism is just equal rights for men and women. I think most human beings would identify themselves as a feminist when it's something when you explain it, you know, so simply. Which is why I say that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost like a um, a generic thing now, where it's it's right. A, Every most people are men and women are feminists because the all of that it means is that you agree that men and women should have equal right. rights. So when I talk about feminists, I'm talking about it. Just it, it always seems to ring loudest against us. Is it because they identify us with the patriarchy, their fathers? Uh, all the presidents that we've had. Therefore, well, I was going to say, I think the political aspect of it is huge. Like the president, you know, I think that's a big part of it when you see all these men in power that are primarily white men and they're the men that are in power in your life. Mm -hmm. Maybe not in all women's life, generally speaking. Um, it's not when you look at the global world of women at all, but certainly in their lives, I think that's where a lot of it comes from. But I think part of it too is that the loudest women in that movement are always going to be heard um, over perhaps other women that do bring up other issues. Other issues. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of how you mentioned you haven't heard a lot of the feminist movement discussing the, you know, the Islamic thing and sort of how can we help women that are generally battered in those situations. I think that conversation is ongoing, but we're not the loudest, and our blogs aren't the best read, and that's a big part of it, you know. So I think. I get what you're what you're saying, but there are so many different factions of the feminist yeah. movement. Not all of them are equally heard. It's though. it's unfortunate. Common sense really gets drowned out online, doesn't it? Well, uh, this uh, uh, here, this guy who uh, we we started off talking about, uh, Salah, you know, another guy oh, from yeah. Queens get trying to, to now when when uh, when the when the boys sign up, it's for adventure. When the women sign up, it's it's you know because they get a husband maybe. Yeah, uh, I think love is a huge, huge driving part of. It. I mean, I think it's almost like an underestimated driving part of it. Like you have to recognize that these people start talking online, like they kind of meet their husband on Twitter in a lot of cases. <laughs> so it's like the world's longest OK Cupid digital date for yeah. in a lot of these cases that's a big part of it I, for the men yeah it's totally an adventure thing it's you know they think they're going to be a big powerful guy there are virgins at the end of it for them and and, and, and people want to uh have a, a mission in life i think they want a purpose they want and young people particularly when they're in their teens and late teens early 20s they have this idea that like yes i now I have a cause. Yeah, I think that's a really big part of it. They have a cause, they have a mission, they have something that they're working towards. It's also kind of a dangerous mission. So in their head, it's like there's excitement and like power involved in it. But I think they have no idea exactly what they're getting themselves into from a distance. I mean, just getting from Istanbul to the Syrian border is an extremely difficult 14-hour journey. And if you don't want to get caught, you have to hop between cabs and it's very difficult to orchestrate. You have to be in a shipping container in some cases if you want to get into Syria. So they really have, really? yeah, they have no idea what they're getting into. I mean, they're looking at, you know, this trip to the Islamic State and to the Caliphate completely through the lens of America and how easy things are here. So that's another big part of it that they really don't know how hard it is. And once they arrive, they don't know that they can't get back no matter what. Oh, they think it's like uh, getting past the desert level on uh, <laughs> some video game they're playing or something. Yeah. But this is a reality where you're actually hiking. You're you're actually like uh, you know traveling in, in conditions that are not so hospitable. Right. We're probably spoiled compared to the average, I guess, terrorist I family. Would, I uh, would certainly <laughs> say so. I mean, I think another part of it is all these people are getting caught on Twitter. So I have to give Twitter some credit. They were getting really railed against for letting these accounts stay live, but now that these accounts mm. are able to stay live, the authorities are able to get into them, check their DMs, you know, see exactly what's being discussed. So a lot of those cases that have popped up in New York this year, it's because the authorities were able to see the, these accounts tweeting at one another and then they caught them from there which is kind of an amazing use of Twitter for good instead of evil for once. You know, yeah. Is there a dark, is there a dark net Twitter? That's what they I'm need. I'm sure there. There's also like Pastebin. Woofer maybe, <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> Pastebin? Yeah, Pastebin. It's uh, it's basically a service where you can post anything in a text form online and uh, leave it there to be found, more or less. 
And in a lot of cases, you'll find jihadi materials on websites like this. Journalists, you know, we troll through them day and night, basically looking for stuff. And you can find an awful lot of stuff. Uh, Usually if you do a Google image reverse search. So if you have a picture you found on Twitter, you put it into Google image search. You can usually link it back to a pastebin account. And then you can just look through what they're writing, what's on there, what are they thinking. So they're... On one hand, the digital aspect is sort of why this has become so prevalent. On the other hand, it allows us to trace and understand and, you know, stop a lot of these people. He tweeted this, I'm ready to die for the caliphate. Prison is nothing. This seems to indicate a fundamental lack of understanding about the nature of death, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like death isn't so bad. You get three meals, you get to work out. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been personally, but from my understanding, it's not great. But I think, I mean, for him, death means something very different. It's not a dirt nap, as many people would describe it, or heaven or hell, whatever, you know, you believe in. Uh Um, But for him, it's a very... Is that the Ukrainian belief, dirt nap? <laughs> so for for this guy there it's not a dirt nap i mean for him death means something really particular that he's accomplished you know what he needed to accomplish for the caliphate and that his religious leader will reward him in the afterlife so his version of death is so different that you know when you compare it to virgins and eternal salvation and you know being respected as a martyr prison does seem pretty awful when you look at all of those mystical things well yeah contrast that with yeah exactly living on a cloud and and getting your cock sucked by all these virgin undoubtedly uh toothy uh ladies you know like who don't know what they're doing yet that's why you're training women for all of eternity how to suck your cock and, and we talk about Rikers, man. Holy shit. Talk about being bad. Yeah. Oh, man. There's such a good book coming out. The woman that worked in the mental health department at Rikers for, I think, about 30 years. The she mental wrote, health department? You mean solitary? Uh, she <laughs> was the in-between person where someone's trying to get out of soliti- solitary by killing themselves. She had to make the judgment call of whether they really were a danger to themselves or whether they wanted attention. Yikes. Yeah. Can you imagine doing that job? That would be the worst. Yeah, she wrote a book about it. How do you decide such a thing? Like, ah, you seem okay. I think you're faking it. Yeah, so she got really jaded. Like at one point, a man um snapped a net like a a neck bone, but it wasn't the neck bone. So she was like, ah, oh, you're fine. You you're fine. Oh boy. Yeah. Did he later succeed? No, no. So she, I guess she made the right judgment call, but oof. It seems like you don't always get those warnings too. Yeah. I yeah. mean, like uh, there was a guy who ate that that ball of soap. It was lying. Yeah, he just like he just swallowed it, and he's like, "Yeah, I ate the soap." And they're like, "Okay, you know." Yeah, she and made a, a bad call in one I was reading about. Um, this man had smeared feces all over his cell, and she thought, you know, if if I take him out of solitary, I'm just gonna see everyone else doing that because they'll know that that works. And then there's gonna be all that cleanup. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, but Things then are gonna he really stink. Yeah, then he tried to hang himself, and he didn't succeed in hanging himself. But she realized, like, oh, I didn't make the right call on that one. Sure. Uh, I think if you get to that point where you're smearing feces all over your cell, then there's a desperation inherent in that <laughs> right. that is beyond, you got to mean it to do that, I think. I think so. I also, that seems like it would take a long time. I don't think, <laughs> it depends on your diet. <laughs> That's but if, but yeah, even if you're trying to pull a fast one, like <laughs> I'm going to get out of solitary, I'm not, that I, w- that I will not do. No, that's a good point. That is about that's yeah. beyond the line. I am really looking forward to that book coming out. That yeah, is my it sounds read. It, it sounds <laughs> feces on the walls. It's <laughs> it's the title. Do you have a title? Oh no, I, I don't know what the title is. A New York Post wrote about it. I'll find it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. Definitely send me the link, and you can tweet uh, Polly at Polly P O L L Y. It's actually her, and uh, you can also tweet at us. Uh, that's a NYC crime report. Tweet at me. I'm verified. You verified? I am verified. Well, how about that? A couple of verified sitting here. <laughs> we don't mean to lord it over you people, but uh, we do have that blue check mark. Pat Dixon is my name, and I host this show uh, at least once a week, sometimes twice a week. We have a live show coming up Ooh. on the 29th. It's at uh, Broadway Comedy Club. It's on 53rd between 8th and 9th. It is a free show. Yes, but I do appreciate it if you can make reservations so I know you're coming. There's also, uh, uh, if you did want to donate a dollar, you know, I wouldn't turn it down for Christ's sake. It's, um, th- you can get that Eventbrite link at um, my website, crimereport.nyc. You can also get it 
on my website, Pat Dixon NY. Nobody's listening now. That's that's why that's the beautiful part of these this part of the show. They're just gone. They they check out. I don't blame them. I can't say as I blame them. It's uh, gotta get those plugs though. CrimeReport.nyc. Yes, absolutely. And and uh, where your writing is is uh, readable on Newsweek. Yep, I'm the only Polly that works for Newsweek. You're the only one. I'm the only one. Wow, I guess they have a younger type of uh, <laughs> twenty. You're, you're 24. You're writing for Newsweek. You, uh, geez, I mean, you're what? What are you? What are you trying to prove here exactly? <laughs> <laughs> I want to take over the world. Um, no, I, I really like Newsweek. They're awesome. I really like their their take on news. It's really fair, and um, that's part of the best thing about working there is that it's never like the slanted bloggy style. It's just this is what happened, and we're here to tell you about it. A truly objective news source. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Newsweek yeah, is yeah, okay. Now that's on, online. Newsweek.com. Yep, Newsweek.com, or you can actually buy it in print if you are a dinosaur. <laughs> some people do yeah no people do i do sometimes and i'm always like oh what a novelty <laughs> yeah it's a uh, static well you know it's it is a new there's an element of shame though sometimes you know what i mean absolutely like, that people have and that's unwarranted and uh you know the subway is another thing you get felt up on the subway and there's this denial i was on the train the other day and it got crowded a tourist woman was standing right against the rail and she had a smile on her face and it was an uncomfortable smile, and she had friends with her, and I, and, and I was kind of monitoring, like, I mean, I'm not, like, one of these white knight people I'm going to jump in and do, but this guy seemed like I could take him, you know? <laughs> he he had the worst rug I've ever seen. He had, like, a Joe Paterno Ooh. rug. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The, just a solid black kind of, like, like if it was on the ground, you'd stomp on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know the one. But see, I, I don't know. I'm I'm a mean lady on the train. If anyone gets even like too close, I'm just nope, no, none of this. I'm not that molestable though. I'm really tall. That kind of how tall are you? I'm almost six feet. Oh so yeah, yeah. Okay. That'll. I'm not really the the target on the subway. Is the tall girls don't take as much abuse, huh? I think because maybe we can take them. You know. Yeah, yeah. They're they're more reluctant uh, to fuck with somebody who is uh, you know, and you don't seem like somebody who who would be easily pushed around either. I think it's a demeanor. Yeah. You have that Ukrainian blood <laughs> and plus the Kentucky thing. You yeah, know? it's a weird it's a weird dark combination. Yeah, I'm watching, you're missing several teeth. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's not. Uh but it's um the, the they do go for vulnerable. You know, and here's something now, victim blaming is obviously out forever. You don't ever do that. And and it's you don't even want to do anything that sounds like victim blaming, right. you know. However, um, this is a fact. They interview a guy who is a sex offender who uh, raped, you know, who then uh, cooperated with the police. And they say, how do you decide who you're going to attack? How do you decide? And he says, I attack women who are dressed in short skirts because it's easier. And that's it. I mean, that's the, you know, that's his motive behind that. It isn't so much that it's like, I find it so sexy I can't control myself, mm. which is the way I think that sometimes gets understood when you say like, well, I mean, and even if the like well, the what are you wearing type shit, you know what I mean? Uh, it, it, what were you wearing? It's it that's obviously uh, judgmental uh, if if you're saying it in 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 that way. I don't think that I think there's a misunderstanding that happens though if you say like, well, yeah, you're obviously putting yourself in danger. Should you be able to wear anything you want to go around? Of course. Should you be able to? Yes. However, according to this sex offender, you know, the the possibility is greater that you would be attacked. So how would you address that? I think it also, I mean, you're talking about one particular kind of sexual assault, which is, you know, strangers that are raping, you know, strange women that they find. But and limiting the conversation to that. I right, mean, yeah, right. Because right. there's so much sexual assault that happens, uh, you know, among family members and things like that, where they're looking for the quietest victim. They're yeah. looking for whoever's, the, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> whoever's most, you know, vulnerable. So that's that whole other thing. But I mean, I think that's the forever debate, sort of like, can you tell women that, you are going to be more vulnerable if you do this. But I think you really just, there are people that are, you know, wearing a floor length ball gown with like three petticoats underneath it that can still get attacked by a guy. Yeah, but they got to be really hot. <laughs> you know, I think maybe warning labels on mini skirts. That's what it should be. What about warning labels on men? Just right on the penis. Just well, on the zipper. Are we talking <laughs> Well, by the time you get to it, it's too late. He's like, can you read this warning label? I got a big red one. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, look at it this way. It's not men. It's criminals. 
it's not men. It's 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 rapists gonna rape. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's not like rape goes up. That no rape has actually gone down. It it has yeah drastically and, drastically and I I would argue that like women wear more revealing things now than ever. You know, so it's clearly not related to that. I mean, that's just a fact. But <laughs> warning labels on the short skirts and dresses. Just a thought. I'm throwing it out there for the fashion and for, for whoever controls these things at JCPenney and Marshalls, <laughs> wherever you buy your fine mini skirts. <laughs> wherever you procure such a thing. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. Hey, if that's what you want to do, I'll get you a giant flag. Just wave it above your penis and warning. Do not attend. Do no, not come I, near. That's, I don't want them to have a warning about my penis. <laughs> <laughs> it's you have to have the element of surprise, you yeah. know, and that's even if you're not raping somebody, you know, even, even <laughs> it's just normal, just talking to somebody and you think maybe, well, you don't want to do it. You're going to scare everybody off. That's true. But I, maybe if you had to give him out the hospital when like a mother had a boy, you just say, well, ma'am, you're going to have to deal with this now. Or just castrate every <laughs> boy when he's born, you know. Some women are so feminist, they think we don't need men. Let's just do this. We need to we need to cut I've heard this ten percent, cut it down to ten percent of people being men. All right. I <laughs> <laughs> think that's a good idea. Uh, I mean how many is ninety percent women? What do we get like another life form in there? Yeah, dildos. <laughs> That's what you get. Well, did you see the story about sperm actually being produced in a laboratory, like independent of a man? No. We are on our way. Oh, man. I'm going to crowd you all into an underground chamber. You wait. That is okay. That is okay. (laughs) I'll be long dead by the time that happens. But it is happening. Trust me. I believe that with all my heart. It's funny that like when I I profess these beliefs, like what you just said, (laughs) they wrote their angry comments and they left and they slammed the door on their way out. Uh, but uh, I, I still feel as if there's some resistance to this idea that women are becoming the dominant uh, gender. There's no question about it. Well, thank you. Um, We're happy to be here. Yeah, and and you know what? It, 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 people like you have earned it. You know what I mean? Like you're 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 working very hard. You're ahead of the curve. You're out there and you're reporting and you're claiming to be, uh, you know, what do you call it? Uh, objective <laughs> subtly we'll slanting try. opinions of everybody <laughs> yeah there's well, I mean, al- there's I, always an agenda right i mean maybe i have an unpopular opinion here but i think we're gonna kind of be stuck at this like 50 50 men women thing for a while it's you know the thing about men and women is that we we very unfortunately need one another both physically and mentally that needing relationship is what the feminists are trying to destroy and i can even i can give you examples the go topless day march the parade now their spoken agenda is to desexualize the breasts, make it not attractive to men, not something that they want to see, not an object of sexuality. Well, what happens then? There's n- there you limit the sexual attraction between men and women. You you've ruined the fun of the tit. Uh, so, you know you see the result of that. Obviously, it's 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 a it's a lessened you know sexual attraction and desire between men and women. Why why is that a good thing? I mean, I think part of why it is a good thing to disagree with you a bit is because then the, you get away from the danger aspect. I think if you lessen you know the stigma around that this is a sexual thing, then you're not going to have men attack women when their breasts are out as much, and you're not going to have that same like you know the guy on the subway that has his arm around just below her breast. That's mm-hmm. because breasts are this like tantalizing thing and if she had a low cut shirt on he wants to be closer to them so i think but but if it's not but if it's but if it's not sexual right but you could say that like well they're not like an object of sex so therefore he's not like coming it's not a sexual assault he just has his arm like sort of you know around this non-sexual part of her body as it would be for a man so if we don't take it uh seriously if we don't take it like if it's not something to be revered then like oh who cares you know yeah. If I touch a woman's uh, breast accidentally, or if, or if my if if my elbow brushes against uh, just a you know a part of her chest, then it's not it, it's no longer sexual assault, right? I mean, I think if that's the direction we're heading, we're gonna need a couple hundred years to get there. I don't think that's something that the the no, desexualization yeah, sure. of the breast is gonna take very long time. Well, I, I I think that there's two kinds of people that are out there doing that sort of thing. There are the kinds who are walking around who genuinely hate men. And want to desexualize the breast, and they aggressively want to put this in everybody's face who's going to hate it. And then there are the horny girls who want to, who have glitter and hula hoops, and they're like, "Why are you making this sexual?" You know. 
I mean, I think there are some, there is an in-between of women that just like, I want to be topless today and that's what I'm going to do and fuck anyone that has a problem with that. Yeah, that, that's the second type. Well, even if they don't have glitter? It's subtle, yes. It's subtly well, the second time. I have to ask, just to, to bring it back to the New York thing, what do you think of the Times Square desnudas? Because that's a really interesting New York debate of toplessness. It sure is. And I have to say, I'm all for it. I think it's a great thing. And, and those are people who understand what toplessness is all about. A hustle. Use it to make a little money. The Daily News vilifies the men who go down there with them as pimps, makes them sound as if they're exploiting these women. Uh, you can't force a woman to hang out in pain all day <laughs> if she doesn't want to. It's just like a, it, there's there's no exploitation inherent in that. Uh, the guy serves a function. He's there to to you know uh, break up any beefs and stuff like that. So I, you know, I, I have no problem with the pimp. I've got no problem with the whore. I've got no problem with the hustle, the tourists, the photos. And there wasn't any problem with them at all until they started appearing on the newspaper covers every yeah. day. Well, de Blasio is very sensitive to how he appears in press. I mean, the New York Post had that amazing cover of one of the reporters who went undercover and worked with the man that is often vilified in the Daily News, and she was saying that he legitimately did protect her when someone, you know, tried to grab her, you know, he immediately shut that down. So I think mm -hmm. they actually do offer a legitimate level of protection for those women. It's not just about taking 30% of their money. It's definitely as part of it, you know, that he is helping her in some way. Someone's got to hold her clothes right yeah sure somebody's got to hold yeah. her clothes somebody's got to take the photo so some of them also work with their family members you know they have like a cousin or something that they're working with so they're not even with you know the men that are in the daily news so it's not like all of these disnudas are only working sure. for this one guy and he has some kind of monopoly over the paint in times square there's plenty of room for plenty of naked ladies and they're you know partners or protectors whatever you want to call as them as far as i know they aren't like drumming out anybody who tries to, <laughs> to sneak in either so if you wanted to go into business for yourself by all means always good to know you can all you have to do is take your shirt off and throw a little paint on it yeah. now it's art and you can uh, that and, and post it, reporter made 300 bucks in like eight hours that's not a bad living tax-free and she didn't have particularly nice uh you know physical uh, tits is what i should say you know what i mean like she was like physical small chested tits. yeah so she was a very pretty Girl. I think her emotional tits were huge. Her <laughs> her psychological breasts were big and round and bouncy, but uh, her yeah physically it, it wasn't bad, not at all. I mean, she didn't look bad, and, and uh, at least she went all the way with it too. She didn't do she didn't try to like uh, oh, no, cop out with the pasties the and whatnot. She but the whole thing it was really cool. She got the feathers, the paint. No, I was all for that's some great undercover journalism. I'm just mad I didn't think of that first. All right. <laughs> Really? Would you would you would you love to go down there for Newsweek? Maybe you could still pitch it and go. I know it's been done <laughs> once, but there's still be. I mean, I think there's also the there's power in having done it on the New York Post because you I, I saw, saw something. A guy reached into a garbage can to pick up that cover because he was like, I need to know what this story is about. That <laughs> is so some true. good journalism. You know, it sells newspapers. And, right. that's, and that's what it's all about. And I think that the Post finally said, wait a second. Hold on. We've said all the bad shit we can say. Yeah. In order to justify continually putting this on the cover, we have to change our editorial policy. Let's send a reporter in. And she, or maybe it was her, but she changed the, the uh, whatever that is that they're saying because the Post was one of the first to come out and be like, what's going on down here? It was her idea. Yeah, she actually went to her editor and said, can I do this? And they weren't going to put it on the cover at first. And she said, no, no, no. If I'm doing this, we're going to take pictures. We're going all in. Yeah, it was a, it was a good story yeah, by her smart. Too. That We might even, might check out that new station on the extension of the seven Ooh. haven't been to that yet been to that i have not been to that yet I've, i'm very excited that the mta did something though just at anything yeah <laughs> they completed a thing <laughs> they did they completed a thing it's like a citywide standing ovation <laughs> like, you guys did it i've been waiting for that second avenue subway my entire life you know as, as my mom used to say god rest her soul you can you can uh you can wait in one hand and shit in the other and see which one fills up first <laughs> because that thing is not going to be done for a long, long time. No, I'm hoping my grandchildren get to write it. That's kind of my dream at this point. <laughs> well, you better get started on that. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're getting up there. 24, time to find a man. Oh, not New York. We're going to go down there. And uh, and uh, why not? Because well, it's two to one or something like that. It's hard to find a man. A lot of gays. No, I just I just don't want to find a New York man. That's all. Why not? There's like a, every kind of man you could possibly want lives in the city. Yep.
<laughs> you gonna go back to Kentucky? Find a Kentucky man? No, I'll find one of that. He'll find me. That's kind of my plan. Go to Ukraine. Find He'll yourself find a. Me. Yeah, I can't. Sort of I can't Tinder anymore. I've OD'd. Well, there's a lady who was kayaking, as you know, with her uh, considerably older partner, and uh, his kayak tipped. She sort of kept him from keeping the uh, the oar. Her name's Angelica. I can't remember her last name. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. my coworker Max wrote a great story about this. Max no kidding. Gutner. Go oh, find it. All right, I will. Yeah, uh, uh, Max Gutner, and you guys look for it too. And I'll, oh, you know what? Just send me the link, and I'll yeah. put it up on the on the Facebook page. This uh, woman claims, you know, since English isn't her first language, which clearly it's not yours either. I'm sure you, <laughs> you started with Ukrainian or whatever they speak, Russian. Is that Ukrainian what? is Ukrainian. the language. Yeah. I also speak Russian, but uh, Ukrainian is my first language. Wow, how many do you speak? Just those three, okay. kind of French-ish. Okay, so this. Um, being not her first language is a problem because she's interrogated. And uh, But, you know, when you hear her speak, she sounds like fine. Uh, do you think in this particular case, do you, do you, do you believe the defense that, that they may advance that the cops uh, coerced a confession out of her based on what a dumb immigrant she is who speaks multiple languages? Well, they were saying that a big part of it was like her tone, that they felt she was being very cold and icy, you know, that she like didn't want to be a big part of the funeral and the memorial service. And they're saying that, well, that was all a cultural issue that in Eastern Europe, you know, that's not something that's really done. And therefore her, her like entire demeanor was so stone cold and strange yes. for these American police officers. What I will say to that is uh, Eastern Europeans aren't so like weird stone cold creatures. We also have memorial services and are sad when people die. Mm. So I don't totally by that she was so greatly misunderstood by police well um, also she uh she she also said i, I was glad that he was dead and uh it, it, it didn't bother me and i wanted him to be dead things like that this yeah, is that, that paraphrasing a little case. bit but yeah <laughs> that's that's more than observing a lack of uh, compassion that's like oh wow okay she's really yeah uh, I think also any time that a couple goes out and only one of them comes back, you got to look real hard. <laughs> I'm just, that's no matter who, if the man or the woman goes missing, you just see that's where your first. I just say no to anything that sounds anything like that always. <laughs> Kayaking, no. No, I'm indoorsy. I don't really like nature. Yeah, so you're not going to catch me out there. You're a great guest. I hope you'll come back. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Will you, will you, will you come back I again? will come back. This was fun. Okay, great. And uh, that that's that's Polly and Mosens. Uh, and you can read her in Newsweek, newsweek.com, and yeah. even in the, the actual uh, the, the physical copy, okay. if you feel like it. I thought they went out of business. We came back. You we came went back. out, and then we came back. Polly. Uh, most ends and and uh, please crime report.nyc don't forget september 29th also big event a stand-up event which takes place at new york vintners chef ryan smith this guy cooks like you wouldn't uh i'm not gonna say like you wouldn't believe because you'll believe it uh but it's delicious there's gonna be some ribs and, and like the last thing it's called apocalypse now i went there for that, that sounds this guy, delicious he combines uh like these these very interesting kinds of uh it's a three-course dinner meal uh, and 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 we have comedians that entertain during it that's the best part you see comedians and you eat at the same time and then there's like a little break in between now it sounds like a hell gig but the comedians like it because we get the free food. So please come. New York Vendors, I'm going to put a link. Again, a lot of this goes back to crimereport.nyc. That's where you go. If you want to also go to my website, patdixonnyc.com. One more time, thank you, Polly. Thank you. And thank you for listening to New York City Crime
Yeah, she made a, a bad call in one I was reading about. Um, this man had smeared feces all over his cell. <laughs> and she thought, you know, if it's subtle, yes. If I take him out of solitary, I'm just going to see everyone else doing that because they'll know that that works. The breeze would blow by about every 45 seconds to a minute and a half. Yeah, then he tried to hang himself and he didn't succeed Filled in hanging with himself. This, but like, she hot fecal. It uh, sounds delicious. Essence that it was just inescapable, and, and and his religious leader will reward him in the afterlife. So his version fe- of death is so different. Smearing feces all over his version of death is so different that you know when you compare it to virgins I think and eternal salvation to that point and, you know, to that point where you're smearing feces all over yourself. It sounds delicious. <laughs> It's got to mean it to do that, I think. You know, when you compare it to feces all over his penis, then warning, do not attend, do not come. Well, yeah, contrast that with, yeah, exactly, living on a cloud. And sure, uh, undoubtedly uh, toothy, sure, uh, toothy uh, ladies, you know, like who don't know what they're doing yet, about to bite my dick and balls off, you know what I mean? Virgins and eternal salvation, and they have no idea exactly what they're getting themselves into from a distance. I mean, just getting from Istanbul to the Syrian border is an extremely difficult 14-hour journey. Uh, it, uh, people will... There's bodily fluid involved. They have to, like, masturbate, 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 masturbate. That's how you do training. Yeah, it's even like if you see a very slobbery baby you're just like i don't need that near me in public transit fecal uh that sounds delicious uh filled with this like sure i think it's the bodily fluids thing that gets me can't you just acknowledge your privilege oh i didn't make the right call on that one just admit it like you just don't want to get them near you can't you just can't you just acknowledge your privilege or if if you masturbate long enough eventually i don't need that near me well yeah contrast that with everything has been handed to you on a silver platter i don't i think you've never worked for anything i don't i think it's getting your cock sucked by all these and if you don't want to get caught you have to hop between cabs and it's very okay that's it to the next person who walks onto this fucking car is gonna get some dick. That sounds delicious. Some dick. It's delicious. Okay, that's it. Polly Mosens is gonna get some dick. No, oh, I'm hoping my grandchildren get to ride it. That's kind of my dream at this point. There's a desperation inherent in that that is beyond. When you see someone throw up, it sounds delicious.